Let's continue with our daily Bible reading here in 1 Corinthians, this time in the 6th chapter, so chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. This is the beauty of the epistles, the letters of Paul and the other epistles in the Bible, is that they deal with real world kind of situations that you and I live in. Living in the real world of Corinth isn't any different than the living in the real world that you and I live in right now. And the challenge of both dealing with that sin that each one of us has, as well as then living as Christian people who exercise things like love and forgiveness and patience and, and building hope in one another. And here's a good example here in chapter six. So Paul starts out by saying, there are grievances among you. The very fact that we do have grievances with each other, that we disagree with each other, that there are times that we hurt each other, uh, just shows our fallenness, the fact that we do need a savior uh, and only in Jesus Christ through his forgiveness can we, be, um, can we be cured of that and then have a different way for us to live. It's kind of interesting. Paul's building up to the uh, 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians where he's going to define what love is all about. And I like the way that he did that. He, he gives us all these examples in the Corinthian church of what isn't love. And then uh, he's going to say, this is what we should do out of love. And then he's going to define love in chapter 13. So you look forward to that. Uh, you already know probably quite a bit about that already. Love is and, and that whole definition. But but here we go back to chapter six. So we are going to have grievances with one another. We're going to disagree. Uh, it's not so much that we don't have disagreements and grievances with each other, but it's how we deal with them. What what are we going to do? Are we going to go with the world and, and start taking lawsuits against each other, try to get back with one another? Or are we going to deal with this in a Christian way where we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, where we exercise love, and that is doing what's best for my brother or sister in Christ, um, or, or my family member as well. Are we going to exercise forgiveness, to forgive as we have been forgiven? And that's the key, is to look and say, hey, I bend like this to God in the way that that person has been to me, in the way that, that this person or that person has grieved me. I've done the same thing with God. Look at how God treats me. He points out the sin, but then he comes with his forgiveness and his grace uh, through what Jesus Christ did for me. We need to remember that, that every person that grieves us, that we have a grievance with, or, or when we do something that they have a grievance with us, uh, that God looks at each one of us. We are precious enough for God to create us, as well as to send his son, Jesus Christ, to be our savior. That's how valuable each one of us is. And so therefore, we ought to deal with our grievances in the same way. Paul reminds them of that, of this of this kind of royal position that you and I are in as Christians, that when we're brought into the kingdom of God by faith in Jesus Christ, he says in the end, we are going to really judge the world. That's because we've been, um, uh, those who are unbelievers, because we've been made right with God and, and God has lifted us up to this position by, by forgiving us and loving us. And, and so therefore we ought to know what it's like. First of all, we ought to know what it's like to be forgiven because we realize how much we've been forgiven. We ought to understand what true love is all about because we look at that cross and we say, that's how much God loves me. And so if, if we are, we ought to be experts in it, loving and forgiving because we've been forgiven and we've been loved so much, at least if we're willing to admit that and, and to see that. And that's why Paul is trying to remind them of that, of their high calling, and so that they're not defeated. If you look at verse 7, he says, uh, the fact that there are lawsuits among you say that you've already been defeated. In other words, you've given into uh, the world's kind of love and the world's kind of unforgiveness, and he's pulling them back to put into practice what we've been shown and we've seen uh, ourselves. Uh, he brings that up in, in um 
in verses 9 through uh, 11 when he reminds us of things that, that aren't healthy for us, things that end up being a curse to us, all those practices he describes right there. And he says, those are ones who don't inherit the kingdom of God. But, but what has happened to us by faith as a gift of grace? We've been washed clean from our sin. We've been sanctified. God's doing his work in us to get those good works to come out of us too. And we've been justified. In other words, in the court of God, um, we have stood before God. We have pleaded Jesus Christ that he died on our behalf in our place. The price has already been paid and now we've been set right with God. That's why we have peace and, and our hope is a real thing because of that act of Jesus Christ. And he says, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit who's worked that faith in us <coughs> and therefore given us that same hope. Then he gets into um, addressing another issue that what he what he describes here or what he quotes here in verse 12 the first part all things are lawful for me is probably something that the corinthian society the corinthian world was one of their catchphrases it's similar to in our world where it's you know it's my body i can do with it what i want to or i'm free to do whatever doesn't hurt me or i have my my uh, my personal freedom uh, a lot of what we hear today but paul says um that's not true because actually when we start doing things just because we feel like it we become a slave to our feelings if we're if we're going along with society then we become a slave to our society and and we're following their way and it really is imprisoning us and paul's trying to point that out and in particular he points to the sins that affect our body and in particular those of sexual sins now here when you go back to the beginning god created us uh, with a sexual desire and he intended that to be carried out only within marriage where there's a commitment to husband and to wife anything outside of that is something well paul says god designed sexual intercourse to be something that unites us that makes us one you can see his example there uh, with a prostitute um, or, or with someone else so therefore you and i are called to practice abstinence all of our life first of all before we're married abstinence from from having sexual intercourse with anyone then after we're married abstinence in the sense that i only have sexual intercourse with the person i'm committed to in marriage i'm to abstain from uh wanting to and and carrying out that with someone else both of those he calls to us because that's that gift that he gave to us in sexual intercourse to be something that's a blessing to us that builds up our marriage that builds up the oneness that we have together with our partner in marriage and then he reminds us at the very end why is that true because we are members of the body of christ look at verse 15 and we are also our bodies are temples of the holy spirit um, what an elevation of that. In other words, when God created us, he made us body and spirit. Both are holy to God. When we die, when our spirit is separated from our body, that's a very unnatural thing. It's not what God intended. That's why when God, when Jesus comes back, he's going to rejoin body and soul together perfectly in the way God made it in, in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve fell into sin. Both my body, my soul are a temple of God and precious to him and in the way i use them ought to be in a way that glorifies god and in that it'll be the greatest blessing to you and me god bless you as you continue to read